Welcome to Tita Talks. My name is Sonia Tita Popolo and I'm your host. It is a privilege and pleasure to welcome Huma Abedin. Huma was born in Kalamazoo, Michigan, yet grew up in a multicultural background with Indian and Pakistani parents. Her mom, Saleha Mahmood Abedin, and dad, Saeed Zanul Abedin, were intellectuals who focused upon and instilled values that would later guide Huma to have the resilience and strength to navigate challenging times. Today, she resides in New York and is surrounded by family love, including her mom, her sisters, Hiba and Hadil, her brother, Hassan, and her son, Jordan. Huma just completed her first book, Both and that is already a New York Times bestseller among the top audiobooks and on Oprah's favorites list. Huma went from being an intern in the White House in 1996 to being a valued top aide to one of the most accomplished and influential women in the world, Hillary Rodham Clinton. She shares stories from her remarkable journey in her book that we will later discuss. Yet first, I would like to formally introduce Huma. She was vice chair of Hillary for America in 2016 during former Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton's campaign for President of the United States. And prior to that, Huma was Deputy Chief at the United States Department of State. In 2008, Huma was Traveling Chief of Staff for Hillary's presidential campaign. Huma's career thrived since starting as an intern at the White House in 1996. Yet Huma's marriage to former Congressman Anthony Weiner led her personal life to not only come under scrutiny, but to fall apart. She discusses this and more in her book, and it is through the opportunities and obstacles and the trials and triumphs that we learn from Huma about her courage and wisdom to stay true to her values and to herself. And today, we are talking about the healing power of resilience, a self-care tool for you. Welcome to Tita Talks, Huma. Tita, I'm so thrilled to be in conversation with you, and I'm really looking forward to talking. I am so excited to have you here today, and thank you for participating and being here. Can you tell us about your engaging book, Both And? What inspired you to write your book, and what has been the happiest aspect about writing your book? You know, uh, you had the perfect introduction uh, in that you named and mentioned all the members of my family. And as uh, you and I know, we have a lot in common, you and I, and one of the things that we do have in common is the importance of family in our lives, that the importance of family support and love and, um, and the role models that we've both been lucky to have in our lives. And so for me, you know, I grew up in a house surrounded by books and stories. My parents always, there are always books coming back from their world travels. And um, I think my father, who I was very close to, always believed I would be a writer. In fact, I share a story in the book that when I was 10, my dad brought back this book called Silas Marner, written by George Eliot. And I remember 
looking at the introduction and seeing that George Eliot was a woman. And I went to my father and said, why did Marianne Evans have to use a man's name to write her book? And my father said, in the Victorian era, women were not taken seriously as writers. So she had to use a man's name. But don't worry, when you write your book, you will use your own name and everyone will take it seriously. And, you know, I've been privileged to live this extraordinary life that I'm looking forward to talking to you about today. And, uh, and, I, and writing the book was such tremendous therapy. I mean, we, you and I have both gone through ups and downs in our lives, certainly um, plenty of uh, you know, adventure and trauma and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And the book really was a form of therapy for me. It really was. Amazing, amazing. We're living in unprecedented times with the global COVID-19 pandemic, the COVID variants, social unrest and environmental catastrophes. Yet with the right wellness and self-care tools, we can reset and forge a new pathway forward. Books, the written word and words possess power and can change history. As you just mentioned, books have the power to impact our well-being. In particular, they can teach us different life lessons and inspire us to feel empathy, happiness, joy, and so forth. What are the most important life lessons that one can take away from both and? My father always told me several things and I there, they have been honestly, Tita, they have been my life lessons. They have been my formula for living in this world. And I will say the first thing he always told us is to pick up on what you just said, um, is that your eyes are at the front of your head for a reason. It's to look forward that even though history is so important, learning from history is so important. Mm. It's really just a platform to understand, you know, the decisions you're going to make as you grow up. And so no history, respect history, but to keep your eyes focused on the future. And I've always tried to do that. And that's not always easy. You know, so many of us get into this state and place where you're constantly dwelling on what could have been and what should have been and Mm. what might have been. And it's not a healthy space or place to be. And another thing my parents always said was a good life is a balanced life. It's something I've only been forced, uh, that's been forced upon me in in recent years. I did not do well with balance. For me, uh, life was all about work. It was work first and everything else came second. And, you know, now I've really intentionally, it's one of the reasons I'm especially happy to be talking to you today is I I think this notion of self-care of self-love, of it's, you know, it's more than just running out and getting a manicure. You know, it's so much more than that. You have to be intentional about it and you have to make time and space for it. And I've certainly, I've certainly tried to do that, tried to follow this advice that's taken me a long time to get there, but I do now. Puma, a moment of personal privilege. Can you please read a passage from your book on page 151? Uh, I would be honored to read that passage. And um, it's one of this chapters, one of the closest chapters uh, to my heart. Um, And it was one of the hardest chapters for me to write, just to relive those moments. We talked earlier about therapy, but uh, so on page 151, I write, a call came in from Tita Popolo, whose family had been supporters of HRC's campaign. Her mom had an early flight and Tita wanted to make sure she was okay, but she couldn't reach the airline and ask for our help. 
In an awful revelation, we discovered that one of the flights that had gone down was American Airlines Flight 11. When I called Tita with the impossible news, I could tell from her voice that she already knew. I thought of her mother, Sonia, vivacious, always wearing sweet smelling perfume as I handed the phone to HRC. Thank you. I could not hold back my tears when I read these pages. It brought me right back to those days. You're doing it to me right now. What inspired you to share this particular moment in your book? So much about what I think um, is important about sharing our story is that we are constantly making connections with people and that those connections are so important, the bonds that you form with people. Mm. And I've always been struck by in moments of trauma, how there are things that you don't remember at all. And then things that are so clear wow. in your head. Mm. And, and you were that for me, absolutely. You know, when I first wrote this passage, cause the passage you're obviously referring to was 9-11 when Hillary was in the Senate for less than a year, we were in Washington saw what was happening on, on the news. And I go through, I went through my notebook of all the things that we did, the calls that she made, but what did I remember? What had touched my heart? What had stayed with me? Um, was that call from you? It was one of the first calls I received. And because I'd always felt this connection to you um, and it seemed unfathomable in the moment, it seemed impossible. Yeah. And, and to some extent, and really, this is your story to share, not mine. It made something very ethereal, very, it can't be happening, very real. Mm. Because I knew you, we knew you. Yeah. It was, yeah. you were, you were, your family were good friends of ours, sort uh, of the Clintons. And, yeah. and, um, and I, that'll stay with me forever, forever. I think mm. it's important for people to know the stories that you can't forget. You know, I write uh, about the relationship I developed um, with a survivor named uh, Debbie yes. St. John, who is a dear, till today, is a dear friend of mine. When she texts me, I still get excited to hear from her. Yes. And, um, and, and as she says herself, she's not a victim. She's a survivor. And Absolutely. you are a survivor. You've had to be a survivor. You hadn't had a choice. And that's why when I, you know, shared the recount the story of Hillary, then getting on the phone with you that day yeah. saying, we are going to find the perpetrators and bring them to justice. Yeah. She said that to you that day, um, that what, you know, what are the principles and values that we stood for as a nation? And I argue in the book, and I, that's why I said it at the 92nd Street Y, that moment changed the course of so many of our lives, those of us who lived in New York, those of us who were in public service, serving uh, the state of New York, yes. it changed everything. And I think we're still coming to grips with how we've been affected the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. I'm mean, just all of these things that were the war on terror. I mean, 9-11 was the beginning of the war on terror and the us against them. And one of the many reasons I wrote my book, and as you just said, um, was really to explain what it is to be a Muslim and an American Muslim, because I think a lot of people don't know. And I've really been honored to share what our belief system is. Yeah, and it's so, so important, so important to, to share that. Now, I want to share an excerpt from Sonia's ring, A Love and Ways to Heal Your Heart. Even in the worst possible tragedy, 
though we experience indescribable chaos, pain, and suffering. There is always a witness, something that reminds us that something, call it God, spirit, divine intelligence, or call it nothing at all, is right there in the middle of the mess along with us, that we are not alone. And will not only bring us through it all, but will somehow even miraculously bring good out of it. Resilience can be defined as the capacity to recover from difficulties. It is a skill that one can develop and exercise just like a muscle. What does resilience mean to you? I think when uh, you read my book, and it's one of the reasons I opened with my early family life, I share the story of my father who, uh, when he was 19, I might have been a little bit older. I think it was his early 20s. He was, he was part of the equestrian club in, uh, in university in India. Mm. And just before he was about to graduate with his undergraduate degree, as he was going through his um, courses with his horse, he was thrown from his horse and he fell and he injured his back. And for a week, he walked around on his hands and knees. And finally, his, his friends picked him up and took him to the doctor. And the doctor said, looked at him and said, how have you been walking around for a week with a broken back? And my father was one of many boys originally, and they had all died in infancy, he was the only surviving son. And I share that story in the book to explain the man who raised me and my mother, who was a refugee from India after the partition, her family had to leave and move to Pakistan. And they got on a ship with all of their worldly belongings to the great unknown, to like resettle in a new country. And these were the two human beings who raised me. And fast forward, when I was 16 years old and I was taking horseback riding lessons, I, um, I remember a particular day I was on my horse, Buttercup. And Buttercup was a tough horse. And I was, I was doing um, circles, you know, uh, just uh, training exercises with yes. Buttercup. And I lost control of her. And I got thrown from my horse and I fell on my back. And the, I remember this so viscerally, my parents came running over. And my mother, she's, they both look very concerned. And my, my mother says, that's it. We're taking her home. She's not doing this anymore. My father looked at me and he looked at my mother and he looked at my riding instructor and he said, no, she is getting back on that horse. Wow. Because if she walks away now, mm. she will be too fearful. And, and he, I did, I got, I, I was, I was in so much pain and I was so scared when I mounted buttercup again, but I did it. And so I think having a father, uh, you know, I, I share in the book that my father was diagnosed with renal failure when I was two, he was yeah. basically old. He had five to 10 years. Mm. And so he lived his life as though he didn't know how long he had. And by the way, Tita, we talk about resilience, you know, and I think it's such an important character characteristic to have because you never know what's going to happen. And I think to be raised by a father who really didn't know how long he had and to pass that on, I get up every, every single day. And I've done interviews with people and they'll say, you've had such a difficult life and you've gone through so many challenges and you've had to deal with shame and you've had to deal with embarrassment and scandal. And how, how are you smiling? And how are you so light? And I always say every day I wake up and I'm healthy. Yes. All, and I have my son that I can hug and love yes. and touch and, 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 you know, raise in this world. I am just grateful. I have gratitude for that. 
Yeah. There's always somebody who has it worse than I do, even on the worst days. I do believe that. And I think some part of that is radical empathy. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, And some of us are raised, I think you were raised with radical empathy. I really believe it. I was raised with radical empathy and I lived and I worked for somebody who has radical empathy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Did you feel isolated during what happened with Anthony during those darkest days? When I think anyone, and I don't mean to generalize it, but I, I do think that when people are going through, when couples are going through challenges, which I think every couple goes through. Every couple does. Every yes. couple goes through. <laughs> I just have to do it on the front page of the newspaper, but I don't believe what I went through, unfortunately, was all that uh, shocking or unusual. I know it. people like to report it as such, but I think infidelity and betrayal is just a fact in relationships. And I did feel isolated. I did feel I got to a place, you know, I have a whole chapter in the book called Shame, Shame, Go Away, because I didn't know anymore what my place in society was. I didn't know where I'd be accepted, where I've certainly felt very judged. I think a lot of women do when they're, you're judged for staying, you're judged for going, you're judged for many decisions that, uh, that, that you make in your life, not just in your marriage and your relationship. And so as a result, we really were kind of in this bunker together. He was the only person who kind of understood what we were going through because he was going through it also. And um, uh, and it took me a long time to reach out. You know, I, and I share a story in the book of my dear friend, Oscar De Laurenta, who brings me into his office and says, why do we have to read about your personal life in the newspaper? Why didn't you, you know, why don't you call us? Why don't we, why don't we hear this from you? Yes. Actually, I was going to ask you now, Yeah, you know, I know that you have so much compassion for humankind, radical mm-hmm. empathy, as you call it. And in your book, you do take the reader, the listener through this very personal conversation that you had with Oscar Lorenzo. And he takes you to, you have lunch together at his office and all of that. And But what did you learn about having compassion for yourself from that? In that, when he said, why you know, why do we have to, as your friends, read about it in the paper? Why didn't you come to us? It was very powerful what, what you wrote about in saying that, listen, I would have helped you hide the body. <laughs> oh, if that's not loyalty. That is loyalty. He said, I love you so much. If you'd called me one day and said you had murdered your husband, I would have come over and and helped you hide the body. Um, and if anybody who knows him or knew him, I mean, he's an extraordinary human being extraordinary in every way and uh, and a dear I was privileged that he was a dear friend and and he's one of those people that when he loved you he loved you he was a very loyal friend but I didn't I didn't think I deserved that self you know compassion or care back then it felt like as though I was I was the distraction I was the one causing all the problems in, in my my world separate from Anthony right it's sort of it, it, it you know I write about the tension that kind of descended on my life just generally uh, after the first scandal, and it lasted many years, there was always that underlying what's going to happen next, when's the next shoe to drop. And uh, so I didn't feel, you know, compassion for oneself felt like a very selfish feeling. Mm. And uh, I had to find my way to that. Mm. And now, so I, you know, self care is the art of understanding what best personal health practices are mm. vital to your well being so mm. that you can thrive. Self-care, as we know, can help to generate compassion and kindness, not only for yourself, but for others. It's about taking deliberate action to improve your physical, emotional, spiritual Mm -hmm. well-being. 
So you can connect with you, with the best part of yourself. And it's respectful. It's not selfish. It's about looking at your inner core values, your priorities, and making the choices that nurture your well-being so that you can be your best for yourself, your family, and your community. And I know I, I want to share another little passage from your book that um, uh, page 334, I don't know if the pages are so necessary, but you know, Anthony encouraged me to indulge in self-care manicures and bl or blowouts and to sleep in on weekend mornings while he played with Jordan. And as you mentioned earlier, yes, self-care is much more than nannies and petties. Yes. When did you realize that you had to love yourself more deeply and be kinder to Huma? When was that moment that you said, you know, these are my values. This is my core. And this is, I love me first. When was that moment? It was a process. And I think, uh, I, I think a lot of women do this, which is we oh. always put everyone else first, right? It's the children, it's the spouse, it's the parents, it's the friends, it's the job and us last. And for me, it was absolutely a process. First of all, I was forced off the treadmill of politics in 2016, because Hillary obviously lost the presidential election. Mm. Up until that point, I say constantly that, you know, work, it was work, 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 and everything else was secondary. And I, you're the only person who has identified that passage in the book where I wrote about what I then identified as self-care. And that is what I identified as self-care because who had time for anything more than that? You know, running down to get a 20 minute manicure, boy, was that a whole heck of a lot of self-care back then, sleeping in an extra 20 minutes was self-care back then. I had, I had to step off the treadmill to some extent for my mm -hmm. own mental and physical health and get to a place where I could reflect, I could read, I could go on long walks, I could go to live in nature, to be surrounded by nature. I think for me, that is one of the most healing parts of my own self-care. I mean, a dream day for me is going on a long hike you know, get it, getting a massage, having a good meal and reading by the fire. I mean, that's it. That's my perfect day. And, you know, <laughs> and you have to make time for that and you have to, yeah. and you have to immerse yourself in it. And, um, yeah. and I really, and even for me that the fact that I have, you know, Muslim prayer, which I have always found to be a very, uh, I, I would argue actually is an element of self-care because people are, you know, um, I, maybe don't realize that essentially what Muslim prayer is just a meditation. It yeah. is stepping back from the world. It is a conversation between yourself and yeah. a higher power where you reflect on your deeds, actions, intentions. Mm. That's it. You know, just get off and like, think about what it is that you're going to do. And I think just having that moment is a good, uh, it's such a good rebalance and a reset, but it, I'm, I'm finally there, but it took me a while to get here. For yes. sure. Well, our philosophy is that true self-care relies on utilizing four pillars of a healthy lifestyle. So that's exercise, nutrition, mm -hmm. rest, healing, and mindfulness meditation. This uh -huh. is our formula for health, happiness, and longevity. And when these four pillars are in alignment, we can achieve harmony and equilibrium. You started to talk about what you're, what you love, you love being in nature, but what's your daily wellness routine and what self-care tools do you use on a daily basis? So I absolutely every day will make time to uh, find exercise. 
hundred percent, even if it's 10 minutes, if it's 30 minutes, oh my gosh, if it's an hour, it's a luxury, but I take, I'm, I, I make time for it. And I honor that time. Mm. And I always find that when I return from that experience, yes, I'm more energized. I feel better. Uh, I'm also very intentional about sleeping. I just, I didn't sleep seemed like who has time to sleep. Yeah. And as a result of the sleep deficit, yes. mine, you know, just years and years behind. So every day oh. I'll sleep uh, as much as I possibly can and I'll work out and I'll try to eat well. Yes. Uh, and I try to take a moment just to reflect, to meditate, to pray. Does it, I'm not very good at that every day, but I try. I, mean, I try to try to be intentional about it. And do you have a daily mantra? Like a specific daily mantra? Do the thing that scares you the most. Yes, I love that. I've heard you say many times. What it is. It's it's how I operate every single day now. It's the only way forward. What does specifically the healing power of resilience, a self-care tool for you, mean to you? I don't know that I could live my life with such feel a feeling of lightness and liberation and hope and possibility without having that formula in my life. You are an amazing and great inspiration to us. Who and what inspires you? My mother, my father, my son, as go, going back to the beginning of our conversation, my family, <laughs> you know, I want, I have always wanted you know, I've, I, people sometimes say, oh, I just read the book. And I'll say, uh, you know, if I could have one more conversation with my father, it would be to just give him the book and say, this is what I've done with my life. And I hope you're proud of me. So I think ultimately it's really my parents. I think about my grandmother, my eight-year-old grandmother who in India was not allowed to go to school and demanded to be educated, demanded. Mm -hmm. And if she had not, I would not have been working in the White House. I would have not been on all those flights on Air Force One or met all these people in the world. Um, it's that, that is a testament to her inspiration and the path that she blazed for me. And it is my responsibility and my duty to, you know, lift myself up and try to honor that legacy. And what book has inspired or impacted you most in your life and why? I love so, so, so many books. You know, I used to love Jane Austen growing up. I just found the way she wrote, the escapism, all, everything from Pride and Prejudice to Emma, there was just something about the way, you know, uh, she wrote that'll always, it's just a sweet kind of moment uh, that I always like to love and, and reflect on. Um, but I have so many authors I love. It's hard. I, know, I, love I will it. say that many people, there's a, um, there was a, originally an epilogue in my book that got cut because the book was oh. so long. Yes, but it, it, in it, I included all the people um, who inspired me to write my book, and it was a wow. fair with like Shonda Rhimes, who wrote her book "My yeah. Year of Saying Yes," uh, a woman named Elizabeth Lester, who wrote a memoir called "Marrow" about uh, donating her bone marrow to her sister, wow. uh, who was ill, and what an inspiring story uh, that was. Andre Agassi's book about tennis and the opening line in his book saying, I hate tennis. And you're thinking, oh my God. So uh, yes. Trevor Noah's book about um, mm. growing up in South Africa. I mean, there are so many people whose lives have been so inspirational. Billie Jean King. I mean, I could just go on and on that um, really helped me um, find, uh, you know, that inspiration to write my own story. I love that. I love that. 
science-based evidence shows that the more wellness and self-care tools and techniques you have, and the more positive daily habits you embrace, then the more you not only learn about yourself and what works best for you in your life, but the better life you will live. It is about empowering yourself with the skills to live a happier, healthier, and a more harmonious life. So I want to share another excerpt from Sonia's Ring, 11 Ways Till Your Heart. Physical and spiritual well-being is necessary for life and growth. It is what helps to keep us alive, maintains, and nourishes love, faith, hope, perseverance, compassion, and kindness. All of this is available for you. So mm. reach out and grab what is yours. Mm. Is there any particular message that you would like to make sure that we communicate with and share with our worldwide audience? I think the most important message is really, Tita, the inspiration that you're giving us, which is this idea of finding a way to love ourselves, to honor and respect ourselves, because it's just like when you're, you know, you're told that um, in order to take care of other people, you have to be healthy to take care of yourself first. Yes. And I think that is reminding people that these things that maybe when we're young, we don't think are important. I think it's mm -hmm. the only way forward. It's the only way to sustain our health, our mental and emotional um, well-being is to have all the tools that you just laid out, which I thought were so beautiful. Um, and, uh, and I hope, I hope a lot of people listen to your uh, message and your inspiration, because you certainly inspire me. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. So beautiful. Can you tell us more about your book tour? How can people learn more? Where will you be traveling in 2022? Is it a well, lot because of, yeah. I'm, I, unfortunately, Omicron has definitely I, delayed yeah. several things. So I've been very, very fortunate. I think my book came out the exact right time in November because I was able to travel and traveled around the country. And I've, I loved it everywhere from Washington to DC to San Francisco, to Chicago, to Boston, to yeah. obviously New York and to upstate New York and Long Island. I mean, it just, it was, it's been incredible. Hmm. And uh, have been able to do a series of virtual interviews which everywhere between Australia, New Zealand, India, Saudi Arabia, Abu Dhabi, um, and beyond. And a, a very long list of podcasts that I've really enjoyed. So over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to keep updating on my website. Thank you for joining us on Tita Talks. Thank you for discussing the healing power resilience, a self-care tool for you. Thank you for being here, Huma. Thank you so much. It's been a joy and a pleasure and a privilege. And I've so loved talking to you as I knew I would. And thank you for having me. Thank you. For more information, please go to www.wellnessworldusa.com or www.titatalks.com. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at wellnessworldusa, at Tita Talks Official, at We Love Tita Talks, and at Sonny Tita Papo. And follow Huma at Huma Abedin.